Radio TFS, episode number 98. This is Greg Duncan. This is Martin Woodward. And this is Paul Hacker. Hey, hey Paul. welcome back, Paul. Good to hear <laughs> hey, your voice. thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, we called you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> actually what did. What are you doing on here? Damn it. I think it was a pocket dial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that's the show title. Is that the show title? Yeah, butt dial? Butt, butt dial. dial. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Butt dial hacker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's good to be back. You know, I've been really busy with uh, with work and uh, and uh, I decided, you know, that I'm going to start making it more priority to maybe try and come back on the show again on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, I've been off doing... Um, doing a lot of stuff, you know, with the new TFS and new builds and new release management. And I'm, I'm getting ready for some conferences. Um, I'm going to a conference in October 7th and 8th in Columbus, Ohio, called Dog Food Con Conference. Mm-hmm. And then um, the 9th and the 10th of October, I go to Huntsville to speak at the um, Dev Space Conference, where I'm actually going to see Mickey Gousset, because he's speaking oh, wow. there. So that'll be great to run into him again. And then um, in November, I speak in St. Louis at their .NET Dev Days. So I got uh, some stuff I've been working on getting ready for those. So that's keeping me busy, well, too. Conferences, Paul, and we'll get you in the we'll, we'll get them in the notes. Um, what about the MVP Summit, Paul? Are you going to that? Yes, I've already booked my flight and my hotel. <laughs> oh, I noticed that. <laughs> Yeah, I've got the I've got the hotel or the summit and the hotel thing. I haven't got my flight yet. I, I'm waiting till next week since I'm an October one MVP. It's kind of like you know fingernail biting time. I, I hope to I'll get it. I should get it. How does that but, work? If you're an MVP when they announce the summit and you register, do you and you don't get it in October? Do you not be able to go to the summit? Are you disqualified then? No, you can go, but you can't go to the, like the NDA sessions, which I don't know what you would go to You'd otherwise. You'd have to go to the ALM ones. I'm sure they would let you sign another um, I, I would just book your flight. Yeah. You'd be fine. But, well, uh, there's still like a question they're doing that we're still trying to figure out. The um, One of the great things that we do, the, the um, ALM MVPs do, is they do an MVP to MVP day. Mm. And uh, there's, we're still trying to schedule when that is. Last year, it was the, like the day before all the festivities started. This year, we're thinking about the day after. So we're still trying to figure out when that day is. That the was Thursday, is it? Is. is that the Thursday they're thinking of doing it, Greg? Or the... uh, they're actually thinking about doing it Friday morning. Okay, cool. Is the, Yeah, that's cool. Oh, see. So, or, or Sunday, either Sunday before everything starts on Monday or that Friday morning. But, you know, people are kind of juggling that. So I, I got to figure out. I'm actually thinking I'm already going to fly in you know, Sunday morning. So if it's Sunday afternoon, I'll be able to go. And if it's Friday, I'm going to fly out Friday night or evening. So if it's Friday morning, I'll be good either way. Anyway, yeah, I'll be there as well. But yeah, it was, it was, but I don't get out till the Tuesday because uh, I'm on vacation until the day before of MVP. So I'm, I'm going to fly out on the Monday slacker. I know, but never mind. <laughs> so uh, Paul, you, you were saying you, have you been doing lots of TFS? Tw- you, I saw you blogged about TFS 2015 and, you know, doing build stuff and release management. Have you been doing lots of that in gigs and things? Yeah, actually, and I'm getting ready to go on another one where they're gonna we're gonna actually use a release management 2015 um, and deploying to Azure environments. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so I've been trying to focus on that type of stuff. Yes, yep. And what's your experience with upgrading? To 2015. From you talking release management or build? Uh, or almost like 
anything tfs well um uh, the, the upgrade process for tfs for coming from let's say a 2013 let's say you're coming from tfs 2013 to tfs 2015 the upgrade process microsoft's really got this down pat they really nailed it um i have not had a an in-place upgrade goes south on me yet. I've done four of them. Uh, and they um, are all, you know, click next, you know, select this, do that. And and they just take a little bit of time. And depending on the size of your database, obviously, and, and they go smoothly. I've not had any, you know, get hosed up. Now, of course, I do take a backup and everything, a snapshot of my servers, but um, I've not had to revert back yet. And I really like the TFS 2015 upgrade process. Uh, release management 2015, uh, that's not as is good because it's not really an upgrade. It's an uninstall and reinstall. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually doing an upgrade of the, um, the, the bits. Uh, and, um, uh, and the build, obviously, if you haven't looked at it yet, is um, completely rewritten. So yeah. you can build your XAML builds with the 2015 interface, but you still have to have that version of the build server that those build templates were created with. So if it was a 2010 build or a 2013 build, um, you need a 2010 or 2013 build server for those. And the new ones would use the 2015 build engine. So it just depends on, you know, what you're doing there. And then, of course, if you want to come to 2015, you're going to have to, uh, there's no simple way to go from Windows workflow into what they got now on the new new build um, setup. In the, in the new builds, to, for, for doing, you know, Greenfield new builds, have you found it? Is it better? I mean, it's certainly the architecture seems good, but it, I, I personally is it more love, productive? Or? I think it's way more productive. Working with that workflow is such a pain in terms of customization. Yeah. I mean, if you set up a simple build and you click next and you fill out the parameters and do your stuff in the interface for 2012 or 2013, you know, it was fine. You know, mm-hmm. but if you had to do anything to substantial, you know, you had to go into that workflow. And that was a mess because you got to make activities and uh, if you don't have or, or do the invoke process or whatever it was, it was just it was it was a hard to do for me uh, and i didn't like it and the new one is really nice because you're using a lot more powershell so if i need to customize my build i'm going to just throw power throw in a powershell script and call a powershell step and it's and it's done it's it's nice. really it's really nice yeah cool yeah. hey so, so um as well as that there's um the, we, we've been releasing some stuff over on visual studio online so Aaron Bjork did a blog post um, with uh, talking about the new updates. And um, I've been working with a, um, a few different companies looking at um, updating the .NET Foundation website. And one of the companies I was working with was like, hey, we like to do all our planning in Visual Studio Online. Is that okay with you? And I'm like, eh, I think I know how to use that. <laughs> It's been brilliant. So we've been doing all like the task estimations and things and like planning it out and doing all that within VSO. So it's been an awesome experience. And uh, I actually noticed this feature the other day, the um, the new, so we've added inline tasks onto the Kanban board. So you can actually really quickly just create tasks straight there on the board and you can even mark them as done straight on the board as well. It's looking really good. And the UI is looking really, really nice there as well now. Um, and doing in the Kanban board, you can do a bunch of uh, querying, which is good, uh, you know, like straight from the board again. And just uh, the one that's really handy was actually being able to multi-select items. You know, when you when you're moving stuff around on the backlog, just being able to control click, you know, and 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 grab a bunch of items and then drag them somewhere else. That all actually works now, which again is just speeds things up enormously. 
Um, one other feature I thought was quite useful. Um, I'm not going to use this one, but on the, you know, over on the branch policies side. So branch policies are kind of like the Git equivalent of checking policies, really. Branch policies, um, even though they're very, very different, but it's kind of the moral <laughs> equivalent anyway. And they've added a branch policy for require wink linked work items which is one of the um you know one of the common uh check-in policies that people add into their tfs server as well sometimes tfec server so this is the equivalent of you know you have to have your your pull request uh, has to be linked to some work items before it will get merged um otherwise it won't let you merge it if you enable this so again that's quite good and he's another example of the git stuff catching up with the tfbc functionality it's been there for a while and then probably um, uh, just the, oh, you know how with work items you can easily dump them out as an email and have them sent off to people, yeah. mm-hmm. and you've got sure, links yeah. back to um, links. Well, I actually found out a lot of people don't know that feature exists, believe it or not. So because I was working on the now I'm on the .NET team, they were like, hey, how do we get an and you know how do I email links of work items around? I'm like, duh, here you go. <laughs> so I showed them how to do that. But um, you can do the same thing with test outcomes now um, in the export test ban feature, which is really handy again for you know passing stuff around and if you've got problems and things you can just send it out as an email and pass it around nice. and there's some power bi stuff went in um uh there's a link to jeff's blog post about you know if you want more details on that well the one that i was really pleased talking about the new build stuff is um the, the ability to publish x unit uh, test results natively now uh through the publish test results task has been switched on so that makes it a lot easier just to to publish x unit tests and again all the dotnet tests are x unit based so that was incredibly useful so i'm I'm glad they've done that yeah it's funny we were talking about that just last week with yeah. the open sourcing of them or last show the ms build and how it was x unit test so that was yeah it's one of those dog fooding things i'm almost certain of you know the team's using x units like uh but we can't vso this yeah <laughs> yep all good so one of the other things we've been talking a lot about is sonar cube mm-hmm. um the team just recently in, uh released a post talking about the web page is acting stupid here. Um, the the new integration plans on you know what the the team is going to be doing. You know we've talked about the first step in integrating MS Build and Team Build with Sonar Cube, but some of the other things we've been talking about are kind of like how difficult it can be to install Sonar Cube, um, and just the whole kind of the big picture of understanding technical debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's one of the challenges that, that I'm facing. You know, as a as an FTE, as a full time developer, running at a company, we're we're running you know hard and heavy with Scrum, and we have all these sprints, and everybody's all excited to get all these tasks done, and I keep having to kind of rein them in. It's like, look, you know, it, we need to define what done is. Is it done? Is it done? Done? Is it done? 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 And you know, you, it's really great get, knocking all those tasks and watching those sprints burn down and all that good kind of stuff. And you keep speeding through that, and then six months later, you get crushed by the technical debt that you've been sprinting through. So SonarCube will actually help me manage this, and it will help you guys manage the same thing, you listeners out there, to help visualize and see what that technical debt is, to try to help you manage it. Um, and the, and the, the Visual Studio team knows this, and that, you know – what I love about this is it's not like reinventing the wheel. They're not creating some new thing. There's already a service out there. There's already an open source project that helps people manage it. What they are doing is just integrating with it and making it easier to use what's already there. Love and I, that. Oh yeah, I got to love it as well because it's the Sonar Cube stuff is obviously incredibly popular over in the Java space. 
Uh, so what's brilliant is, you know, they've gone around and looked at, like, what's the best to breed. And rather than competing, they've gone, OK, well, let's get yeah. that to work with .NET and let's get that to work with TFVC. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> that's how you're supposed to do business. So that's, that's brilliant. So, yeah, no, I was really easy to see that. And even, you know, simple things like making it easier. One of the, the, looking at this post, the thing that jumped out at me was the one-click install of SonarCube. They're going to make it really easy to install SonarCube on Windows with SQL Server, SQL Server Express as, as the back end. Cool. You know, it's just – so making this existing thing easier to install, awesome. And then, of course, TFVC support, Java build task, TFS build task, Active Directory integration, um, updating the IDE. So we need to see all of those. Uh, and I love this point that they make. Um, and I'll just read the line. It's not unknown for there to be so many static an analysis issues that you desi decide to turn off static analysis altogether to avoid warning fatigue. Uh, that is just so true. But what this they're going to do is they're going to help us with that and filter those down so you can actually look at the ones you're really interested in and not turn off or dial them so far back. Did they have support? I, I, I should chat, have a chat with Stuart. We'll get Stuart back on again. Is it for support like baselining and things? You know, so you can say, hey, these ones here we kind of know about already. We're just going to ignore them for now. We, we just want to make sure we're not introducing any new ones that are catastrophic and things like that. Yeah, and actually, the, the next bullet point from a baseline uh -huh. will yeah, there we go. suppressing issues. So. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. That's exactly what you need. Because that's one yeah. of the things we do is like say, hey, look, you know, let's call let's call an amnesty on code we've already got in there. Any new code or any, if you're going in and footsing with a method, then then you're going to have to, like, you know, we're going to look at the static code analysis warnings from now on kind of thing, especially with any large code base. That's the only really way you can do it because you do, you build up so much technical debt. But it's amazing the number of security issues and things you find once you switch static analysis on. It's, it, it's quite impressive. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, uh, um, uh, yeah, it made me think about... Um, and probably, and again, I'm probably jumping around in the running order. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, Paul, was there anything you wanted to run mention before I jump in? Yeah, so it there, made, there happens to be. Like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so, 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 um, a lot of people come up to me and ask me why TFS 2015. Why do I need to upgrade 2013? Seems to work just fine. And yeah, you know, and, and like with any version, you know, they want to know why should I be moving to that version? And some versions, you know, you say, well, you you wait for update one, or you know, maybe you know, whatever, stay where you're at if it's comfortable with it. But with 2015, I really encourage people to upgrade to TFS 2015 uh, for a number of reasons. One, you know, they got the newer cat. Kanban board. So um, that's one reason to take advantage of it. Uh, pull requests if you're using Git as your repository. Uh, so um, that's another feature. And uh, of course, the new build engine. Um, obviously, that's that's a great feature that you're going to want to use. So yeah, um, I, I think going to 2015 is really, you know, uh, really worth it for people to, you know, to look at, at least take a serious look at, it. even if you don't move, at least take a serious look at it, you know. Especially with the backwards compatibility of the clients, you know what I mean? Like every, everyday yep. users of Visual Studio probably won't notice. It just things got better. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you, like you said, you know, um, I, I don't even think you need to, with 2013, need to install any like forward compatibility patches or anything like that. I think 2013 just works with 2015, where before you had to install forward compatibility patches and all this stuff, you know, or be on Service Pack 1 of Visual Studio uh -huh. or whatever. Um, Now it just it just works. 
Yeah, and it, yeah, it's and again on the interface, you know, what I mean that the the user interface between 2013 and 2015 isn't so dramatically different that you're going to have to retrain everybody, but it's it's just improved in a bunch of places. I think this is all from doing it in service point of view. You know, you you come to it and it's it's instantly recognizable. There's just features there now. Right, exactly, and that that's a great point. Yeah, it it, it is. There is no drastic change in in retooling or retraining or anything like that. That um, needs to really yeah. happen. You just pe- developers just know they instinctively know this is cool, and oh, hey, by the way, I can get this new feature. So yeah, cool. So w- when you are doing that upgrade, one thing that's useful to know is um, how long it's going to take you to do the upgrade. Now we had a couple of um, episodes ago we talked about some you know uh, ways of estimating upgrades from spreadsheets and things, but uh, what um, Richard Fennell's done is a cool little. Um, he's obviously doing a lot of upgrades of different clients, <laughs> and he's written a, a bit of PowerShell which will take the um, the patch log from TFS and convert it into a CSV file which gives you all the different steps and then he can collect his CSV files together and actually get stats of um, the upgrades and how long each steps take things and you can analyze that and and get a good idea as to how long things are going to go and if you've done like um angela would recommend if you've done a you know a practice run of some of these upgrades before then this is a good way of you know pulling all that data into a spreadsheet and having some kind of predictability as to hey you know this is taking four hours and it should be only taking four minutes maybe you know maybe i need to look and see what's happening here that's awesome it is really so so paul have you seen any like uh official guidance on doing an in-place upgrade? I personally haven't seen official guidance. I've seen a lot of blog posts by people out there, you know, ALM MVPs and, and maybe an MSDN blog or something I saw. But um, uh, most of it is just, you know, I, I learned it myself, like, you know, doing a dry run. I have my own environment and, and I just walked through the, the practice of doing it. And, uh, and like I said, I didn't have to really look at information to figure out how to do this upgrade. It really was pretty self-explanatory to me, um, being a technologist and working with the tool. It wasn't that difficult. But there is blogs, there are, I should say, blog posts out there um, that do explain the in-place TFS upgrade. Uh, and again, you should you should really um, consider looking at it because, um, you know, it's, it's just a great tool. Yeah. So it's pretty much a click, click, click. It is pretty much a click, click, click for me. You know, um, for the ones that I've done, yes. Like I said, I've only done four of them, but uh, the ones I've done, they've been pretty quick, smaller databases. I think the largest database was 50 gig. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it went pretty fairly well, fairly quickly. Yeah. You know what I don't see a lot of in, in the blog posts and stuff? Uh, I mean, we're looking at one now talking from the TFS setup moderator groups from uh, – Ramadeep Singh and, and Ramit Gulliat, uh, uh about doing an in-place upgrade. And it's, it's like Paul was saying, just a, a, you know, next, 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 next. Is Paul, how does it handle uh, things that aren't good? Uh, they're running on an old version of SQL Server or a Win Server or something that's not patched right. Does it handle those kind of things gracefully? Um, it seems to. So I actually had to upgrade my SQL Server and it notified me that I wasn't on the correct version of SQL Server and it couldn't proceed. So um, uh, at least it warns me. It doesn't, you know, it, it stops there. You can't, you can't go on. 
you know, so at least you're warned. Now, you do have to stop the uh, install and you have to go and upgrade your SQL server and right. stuff like that. But at least there was a warning to tell me, yeah, hey, by the way, you know, before you get through this whole process, your SQL server is not right and uh, you need to upgrade. And so I upgraded. Uh, and, and that's a good point to make is, is is the upgrades of your SQL server. Some people think you have to be on um, SQL 2014 to use TFS 2015. I've, I've had some people tell me, yeah, they have to be. And, and you don't. You can work with SQL Server 2012. I believe it's Service Pack 1 um, is a, is a, is works with TFS 2015. So you, if you're on that, you don't even have to upgrade your SQL server. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, and, and also, so, what's worth pointing out is running the, um, you know, uh, do you run do you run the BPA, the best practice analyzer at all, Paul? Before doing yeah, upgrade, or do you just let the upgrade first? If I'm doing a customer for real, yes, I do run the back best practice analyzer. So my routine is usually take a snapshot of the server, do a dry run. Um, if the dry run seems to go, then turn on the best practice analyzer and let's run with it, you know, and see what it tells us. Um, or actually, I got that backwards. Best practice analyzer, dry run, and then if dry run works, then go and do the actual upgrade um, for real. So, so um, yeah, there are some steps I go through, but the BPA tool is is definitely worth using. Fantastic. Yeah. So besides that, um, you know, uh, I don't know if folks out there um, uh, know about Imaginet. Imaginet's a consulting company out there, and they have a folk that works for him, an uh, ALM MVP uh, called, uh, his name is Etienne Tremblay. And Etienne has done a grand tour of Microsoft release management. So um, it's the grand tour. Um, you have to check it out. Etienne's a really smart guy. He really, he, he, I see him do some other stuff on release management. So I'm, I'm thinking he's really, you know, got a passion for the product. And, uh, and so, yeah, he's got a video out there on the grand tour of it. So we'll have a link in our show notes, but go out there and check that out. If you want to see the overview of release management, uh, 2015, you'll be able to get a good tour of it um, from Etienne. E.T. was one of the first batch of MVPs, along with Mickey, by the way, back in the day. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a long time ago. So he's been around product for ages. It's interesting that the cool kids are getting into the release management stuff. You know, you, you're <laughs> getting into RM, E.T.'s getting into RM. Definitely, is it is it looking pretty good as a product now? Is it starting to shape up? Well, it hasn't changed. Or is it because it needs lots of consulting help? Is that why you get it? <laughs> <laughs> it? It hasn't changed a whole lot from 2013, but I understand that service or um, upgrade one will change some things. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I'm not sure of everything, but it, some things are going to change with Upgrade 1, obviously. And that's what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it's it's a good tool. I, I'm currently using it with a customer and we're deploying to thousands of servers using RM. And, wow. and, it, and, it, and it scales really well for us. I, I don't know. Some people say it's not good and this and that. I've heard a lot of rumblings, and, and but I, I have not had a customer tell me, no, we need another product. They they use they stick with RM they start with RM and they stick with it and it just works so cool. just get to know Brilliant. it yeah yeah well so um, another post that was interesting Will Lennon who's on the version control team uh, was posting about um, how you how you see your version control permissions you know your individual version control permissions and sometimes you know you're trying to do something and you can't quite figure out why you're not allowed to do something in particular and it can get a bit confusing so one of the top tips that uh, Will recommends is if you go into um, 
So you go into the project settings and you click on the version control tab. You see a bunch of stuff and it has groups and things. But the problem with that is it, it gives you the permissions for the various groups and trying to actually track down, you know, which group you're in and how the different ones are getting loaded can be a bit tricky. So a, a sneaky way that is showing you can do it is just if you go in and add the individual user that's having the problem. So, you know, go in and say add Paul Hack or add Craig Duncan or whatever, then um, they show up as an individual user within the UI and then it shows you um, what their permissions are currently set to. So um, and then next to each one, like, you know, inherited deny or inherited allow or something like that, there's a little Y button that explains. It's a bit like, you know, when you go into the web tools in the browser, it shows you why a particular CSS style is being applied. This shows you why a particular being permissions being applied. And it brings up a dialogue box mm. that shows you all the inheritance. And it says, hey, it's because this person's in the in the readers group, which has deny on it, you know, as well as being in some other group, which has um, allow on it or something like that. So it's a, it's a sneaky way of just going in and getting getting the UI to tell you what's up with your settings. In there, you could, if you wanted to, explicitly override for individual users, you know, give them certain permissions. That's probably not what I would recommend. I would use this, I would use this sneaky way to actually go and analyze why they've got the permissions they've got and then go put them in the right group, you know, right. and let uh, because otherwise it's not going to be maintainable because if one person's got the problem it's likely that multiple people have got the problem but uh, anyway depending on how many users you've got maybe you'll just go in and actually add them in and say hey here you go you've got the permission for now and then remove them from it later or whatever so that's a a great tip I've fought this battle before on our inside one Mm -hmm. in in house on premises version and uh, uh, this tip will help with that and yeah like you said definitely groups no individuals don't do individuals yeah and do it via ad groups if you've got any yeah just yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah just make it be based on what ad group they're in because the second somebody moves teams and things you don't want to be going (laughs) figuring out like permissions all over again so yeah yeah, yep exactly it's a maintenance nightmare doing it the other way yeah yeah so um hey back to builds again i I mean you guys can see (laughs) i love builds and i love rm um, how about build customization? So there's a there's a blog post. I'm gonna butcher his name. I try not to. Is Guri Sahani and over at .netcurry.com, and uh, he's got a blog post on build customizations with Team Foundation Server 2015. And I kind of alluded to this a little bit. Um, you know, you have these steps you add to your to your build setup. So you'll you know you add a PowerShell step or a Maven or an Ant or whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, uh, and so customizations like. Um, before where, I mean, you could still call PowerShell scripts from 2013. They just make it a lot easier now. And you can have multiple PowerShell steps and call multiple PowerShell files. And that's how you can run some customizations with your build. So I actually am doing a demo of the 2015 build and I'm deploying it, not using RM, but actually using PowerShell. And then I... um uh, then I wrote a blog post on how you how you can took into the new RM uh, task that um, Daniel Mann created. Um, and so, if you want to read my blog post on that, it'll be in the show notes. But yeah, so the customization of team of team build is really nice because, like I say, if you understand PowerShell, you have someone in the organization, or you have PowerShell assets already, you can utilize those with team build. You know, twenty fifteen, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. And then they talk about one of the things, uh, another one related to the build and, and PowerShell is uh, there's a post from uh, Ruslan Albu. Albu? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, that's been one of the ongoing jokes, Paul. I'm 
I am still butchering people's names. It's really <laughs> horrible, but I've been working hard to try to get better at it. Um, but he talks about a little PowerShell tilt tip that if you're writing to the console, and Martin was talking about that on how people, do you see this too, Paul? How people are just mesmerized by the build console. Yes. And they just love seeing the task. I and love everything. it. Yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> I stare. <laughs> well, he talks about, yeah, he talks about how you can chromo key or, or color code it. You know, if you're doing a right host, it is, if you put a debug warning or error in the line, it'll actually change the colors automatically nice. for you. Nice. That's cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Now, can that, I know it's for Visual Studio Online, but can it also be done on premises? Yeah, good. Uh, let me see. I guess it should be the same on TFS hosted on premises. Yeah, he's, he hasn't tried it there, and I don't have a, a 2015 on prem to try it, but I I, it should. That gives me yeah, something it should to definitely this work. Yeah, give it a go. I'm pretty sure yeah. it will work for sure. Um, so I was I just quickly one if, uh, if just uh, talking about Richard Fennell as well earlier um, and, and the um, the unit test stuff. Richard did a, a quick post that's probably relevant as well about, um, you, you know, there's, there's obviously an end unit test runner that's been in there for a while that you can use to hook up. But one of the things he was talking about is if you want to run the um, Jasmine JavaScript unit test, so jasmine.js, then you can actually get that to run. Uh, but you, to do that, you need to install the the Chutzpah test runner, and then um, which you can do just via a, you know a NuGet, and then you bring that in, and then um, you can use that uh, to set it up to run within Visual Studio, and then actually get them to uh, to run as part of the build, and it all and it all works magically. So that's a top tip for you if you've got any JavaScript unit tests as well as your end unit unit tests. Yeah, that might drive me to get 2015 installed here because we're starting in my team we've been doing desktop apps for forever or integrating into a third-party application using their development environment but we're starting to do our own in-house uh, web apps and you know we're doing now mvc with uh, bootstrap and uh, we're using uh, kendo uh, from telerec but that unit testing is becoming a big thing here finally which is i you know i love to see that um so seeing that uh, that may help me drive getting 2015 installed well and you can you can actually um yeah not 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 to dissuade you (laughs) from the Uh 2015 thing but you should be able to hook in the the jasmine uh unit test into the 2013 builds as well la 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 la. i don't hear (laughs) well hey uh, if you want to use the you know jasmine is a good uh javascript unit testing framework right take a look at that first and okay you can do it with command lines and stuff and then then maybe then take it Ah, there you go that makes sense so one of the things you know everybody likes uh, that I like talking about is the um, extensibility mm-hmm. of Team Foundation Server. We've talked about the object model installer previously, um, but it was only for update four. I, I've seen some questions and asks about well, what about the update five object model installer? Well, luckily, just about uh, eleven days ago. No, am I doing my math right? Nine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Nine days ago. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Depends there when we publish this anyway. <laughs> but as you're oh, yeah, publishing it's it, it's going to be closer between nine and 11 than like 100. <laughs> it would have been. Yeah, since it should be out hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, for everybody, you know, uh, we're, we're recording this on Thursday the 24th. I, I like to get this out the next day, so it should hopefully be out tomorrow on the 25th. Um, so by then, it'll be 10 days. But on 9.15, basically, the 
Team Foundation Server 2013 Update 5 module uh, model installer is available. So this isn't the Team Foundation Server 2015 stuff, but this is if you are still 2013 like me, um, but you want the Update 5 object model, you can now get this and, and install it and utilize it. Yeah, and this is uh, this is just for people. This is the if you want to have an application which uses the SDK to talk to TFS or whatever, then right. this is what you this is what you can install to get all the object model in installed ready so you can talk to it for tfs 2013 without having to um you know install like the full-blown team explorer you still need obviously like a license for any automation right. things like that but uh yeah this is the this is the object model installation the, which yeah. is what you need for 2013 this makes you know life so much easier. like i've said about in previous shows i've written a little in-house application to make it easier to talk to our tfs server to get uh version control without having all the the, the crud um installed and i did that you know basically illegally and unofficially uh you know figuring out what the dlls are and x copying them and and, and doing that having this so it's basically you know legal it's official it's supported uh m- makes my life so much better um even when you when you did the x copy stuff by the way there's there's a bunch of stuff that breaks like to do with caching and things like that especially if you're doing some work item stuff so uh it's good to use the object model for sure uh and last it's the last one. We don't have any ALM Ranger stuff this show. I know I could hear all that size out there. But there's a uh, reason for this. We've got a special coming up soon, hopefully. There is the next show, hopefully. We're going to have Willie P and, a, a, and Anisha on the show, our show number 99. Woo! We hope to mm-hmm. interview them. Hopefully we'll have Mickey and Paul on too. It'll be like the biggest TFS show ever. Um, so we're not going to work. I've, I've moved all the ALM Ranger stuff to the next show. So we have a lot of stuff of theirs to talk about, but as our final closing thun, uh, closing story, we're going to give a shout out to Angela. Yes. Angela, raise your hand. I, I, I know you're like jumping up and down in your seat now going, it's like the third or fourth <laughs> mention of the show, isn't it? Really? We, we're going to, a head's not going to be able to get out of the car. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still trying to live down the my the intro that I did with her when we interviewed her. Yeah. You know, that they're constantly working on the house, not constantly working on her husband, David. <laughs> that was <laughs> sorry, David. Um but she's doing a, a Chicago ALM meetup. If you're in that area, um, you should definitely take advantage. Or if you're in any metro heck, if you're in any area. Look around for your local ALM uh, teams, your uh, VS ALM MVPs. They're all over the place, all over the country. They're all over the world. They're doing small meetups. They're doing user groups. You know, if you're on the East Coast, you can see Paul, um, like he was talking about earlier. It's you would get a lot of Chicago one from time to time as well, wouldn't you, Paul? What's that from Chicago? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can get to Chicago. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, she's talking about uh, uh, Chicago ALM meetups. She'll be doing. Um, that's going to be on September 29th. So we definitely have to get this show out. So you guys got a, a little lead time on this. Um, stopping a slow motion train wreck, a guide to project recovery with JC Grubbs. Nice. Uh, that's a good yeah. topic. <laughs> Cause it's not like anybody who is in our space ever. I've been deals. in so many slow motion train wrecks. It's not even funny, but yeah, there we go. Um, so, uh, she's going to be there. He's going to be there. It'll give you that little ammunition to help you guys with that. And you know what? I think that's the show. Well, there we go. Good to have you back, Paul. Hope hey, thanks guys. Time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for butt dialing. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's the title. Pocket Dialing with Paul. Or Pocket Dialing Paul. Pocket Dialing yeah. Paul. There we go. Perfect. There we are. Great. <laughs> well, hey, if anybody's got any feedback for the show, then do drop us a line, RadioTFS at Outlook.com. Or what's the Twitter, Greg? At RadioTFS. And um, we're on Facebook as well. You can like us, I guess. And then finally, the uh, the voicemail is one forty five two three three eight three seven nine. So thanks for your feedback again. We've had some good feedback lately, and I'm um, looking forward to the ALM Rangers show next. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. So we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS.